This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. It's uh, been a couple weeks because we took off for Thanksgiving, but it's nice to be speaking to you. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have our editor-in-chief, Al Santasiri. Hello. What's going on, Al? And we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hello, everybody. It's good to be speaking to both of you. It's, It's kind of strange because I feel like we should be used to this by now, but we just went essentially a month without doing a podcast. Now, in the real world, under normal circumstances, we would still talk to each other about six billion times in between that, whereas I feel like I have not spoken to you guys in about a month. So, how are you? Yeah, it's a weird weird world we're living in here, working from home. I know we all are, are working hard and kind of putting our nose to the grindstone and getting our, our 2021 publications ready. Uh, but you're right, there's not as much interaction with our our friends and coworkers at Yankee Stadium, who of course are are not at Yankee Stadium these days. Yeah, it's a it's a lot uh, more fun and a lot easier, quite frankly, to uh, produce publications when we're all just uh, within you know shouting range of each other. Uh, so it's a little different, <laughs> but like Al said, no no shortage of uh, work to do and stuff to keep us busy looking ahead to uh, 2021. Yeah, these days we're in you know we're all within shouting range of our children, our dogs, our cats, our you know, things like that. So it's right. a little, little different, but similar at least. That's the thing. I, I was going to say, like, I've never thought that I would be particularly good at working from home. And uh, I wish that I did not have to experience it under these circumstances, especially. But I, I can't express how much time I spend right now in my bedroom, four feet from my bed, doing my work. It's just like, I can't believe how much I miss commuting, as ridiculous as that sounds. <laughs> I, I miss just like not having that feeling of novelty that I had this morning when I had to go drop off dry cleaning for the first time in nine months. But there was actually this sense when I got into my car that was like, ooh, I'm in my car. And it's like, no, that's like, I shouldn't feel good about that. But that, that's, what, that's what we're dealing with right now. You know, I had a, a weird feeling the other day that I missed going on a press check. So <laughs> talk about weird, right? 
John, I, I didn't know you could dry clean sweatpants. What are you wearing? <laughs> for, formal wear now? What's going on? Let, let me tell you, I went in there so apologetically just being like, I'm sorry I haven't dropped off anything in, you know, 10 months or whatever. I hope you're doing well. And like, they still remember my name and everything. They're, they're really wonderful people and I feel horrible. And I don't think I actually needed as much dry cleaning as I dropped off today. I just like felt terrible <laughs> and I wanted to bring some stuff. <laughs> I have to share this story and I wasn't going to, but I, I had a... Um a bar mitzvah that I had to go to in November for a, a, a young man on my son's baseball team. And I reach into my closet and realize I need a dress shirt a couple of days prior to it and quickly realize that I didn't have any left. And I had only worn about two or three dress shirts over the course of the summer. So I go into the, the laundry bin or the basket to get the stuff to go to the dry cleaner. And they were things that I had worn to spring training. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, talk <laughs> about an industry that's clearly dying. It's, it's dry cleaning in, in uh, you know, suburban areas where people don't go to work or, or, or whatever. But hopefully better days and more normal days are, are on, the, on the horizon. And uh, we're going to get past this and be back at Yankee Stadium and spending lots and lots of money on, on dry cleaning our nice clothes. And toll booths, uh, toll booth crossings into New York City. Exactly. So, um, Al, I, I fully support your idea of looking forward, but I, I thought that why don't we, uh, you know, as, as we hit December, we usually spend December on the Yankees Magazine podcast doing a lot of looking back. I think that as weird as it is and perhaps as uncomfortable as it is to look back at the 2020 season, I do think before we totally turn the page, which is what we're doing basically all the rest of our time, Let's. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to actually – go back to our archives a little bit and look at where our heads were before we knew what was happening in the world. And before we do that, though, I I do want to say, again, speaking of something great that happened in 2020, uh, I hope that everyone will listen to the newest episode of the Deep to Left with Bucky Dent podcast, because our guest, for the first time, we had a current player. It was Clint Frazier. And he, as usual, was great just talking about the ways his game improved and really evolved in 2020. So I, I do hope everyone will listen to that. But uh, like I said, we've done this in the past. I don't think that any uh, Yankees Magazine completists will be surprised to see me doing this. But Al and Nate, uh, you guys actually weren't on the episode in question. But on March 12th, which was the season finale of season three of the Yankees Magazine podcast, uh, we we did some predictions for the 2020 season. We looked at some storylines that we were going to find interesting, and we made some over-under predictions. And as you might imagine, we got everything right because there have been no surprises in 2020. But but I I do think there's actually value, again, before we just move on in talking about what we were thinking about in March and what came to pass. So I'm going to start... And, you know, we, we can kind of go through each of these and then we can kind of, you know, just look back and, 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 and think about the things that uh, really we, we hit on or, or didn't for that matter. So the first question, you know, storylines we were most excited for, we did a draft. The first pick was Miguel Andujar. And, you know, it, it, it's hard to believe now, kind of, because, again, we just came off such another great year from Gio Rochella locking down the third base position and Andujar the whole left field first base thing never really came to pass, but you go back to spring training and that was so much of a bigger story in spring training one than we ever saw in uh, summer camp or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you go back to, uh, Andujar's first year, you know, finished second in the rookie of the year voting. He was just so dynamic that year. And, uh, I mean, he was like a doubles machine. I mean, it seemed like every time you looked up, he was standing on second base. So when you put together a season like that, uh, right out of the gate, 
you know, it's going <laughs> to, you're going to catch a lot of eyeballs, especially when you're doing it in pinstripes. So um, yeah, that's kind of been a story that, you know, we've been now waiting two years to, to see, you know, glimpses again of, of that type of player. We know it, it's in there. We know what he's capable of. But yeah, you know, 2020, just you didn't get that opportunity. I know he wasn't 100% healthy, but uh, I guess we'll probably go into next year again, wondering what Miguel Andujar is, is going to be capable of in 2021. Yeah, I, I think there are better days ahead and, and days that are going to be reminiscent of what he did in 2018. I remember how excited I was doing a story with him up at Fenway Park um, or an interview with him up at Fenway Park in 2018 towards the end of that season and, and just how impressed I was by the way he burst onto the scene and what he did. And I mean, he, he was a doubles machine, like Nathan said. He was just a, a guy that, you know, seemed to be on base every single night a couple times. And, and, and late in games, he was so good. And, you know, unfortunately, sports are sports. You know, injuries are part of sports. And, you know, what we've learned in, in football, baseball, basketball, whatever, hockey, unfortunately, it's not a video game. You don't get to start right where you left off after an injury. And I think that's the sad part, but the, the reality of it, you know, just because you're healthy again, you don't go back to where you were. You got to kind of have to start over and, and build that back. And in a year like 2020, there wasn't any time to really build that back or, or much of an opportunity to. And, but I think the old days are going to be the new days for him. Well, I do think, though, it brings us into what is going to be one of the more interesting storylines of the 2021 season. And I don't mean just for Miguel and Duhar. I mean, for really all the players who did not get a lot of major league time in 2020, because if you weren't getting major league time, you weren't getting anything. And obviously, there was the alternate site and they were working out there and doing you know sim games and doing intra-squad games and things like that. But if you were not in the Bronx or wherever the Yankees were playing in the AL East at the time, you were simply not playing competitive games. There was no minor leagues. So it's not just that Miguel and Duhar did not contribute to the Yankees in 2020. He did not play any competitive games. And I think, or I don't think I'm certain that's why you're seeing a, a lot of recognizable big league names down in the Dominican league right now. And it's fun to watch them and, and see them succeed. But you, you hope that that they're getting from that, what they weren't able to get in 2020. So that was uh that was the first pick, the second pick in the draft. This one, I think went a little better. It was Garrett Cole's response to playing for the Yankees guys. I'm going to go ahead and say that that could not have gone too much better. He was as good as advertised. I mean, he's a, he's an amazing pitcher. Uh, we knew that he was an amazing pitcher, uh, for, for quite some time before he came to the Bronx, uh, and, and especially, um, in the postseason in 2019, we got to see just how dominant he could be. We didn't win a championship in 2020, but I'm so happy that he's, he's on board because it, it gives us a legitimate chance. I think, um, you know, with the pieces he has around him every season. Yeah. I think while the, you know, the, the on-field results certainly were, terrific and kind of to be expected. Um, you know, there were still some things that were a little bit of a surprise. You know, we got to know Garrett Cole, the, the person a little bit more, you know, starting with, you know, that first day, that, that press conference back at Yankee stadium in December uh, when, you know, he sat down with reporters and you really got a sense right there of just, you know, how cerebral he was, but also how, good he is at communicating what's going on in his head and um so it's it was really interesting to you know 
be on some of those Zoom calls uh, for, for post-game interviews or off-day interviews with Garrett Cole and just hear him talk about his craft. And then, uh, you know, I think also the way that, um, you know, him and Kyle Higashioka began to work together the, towards the end of the season and uh, the results that, the, that that pairing produced uh, was also an interesting development. So, yeah. Garrett Cole's first season in pinstripes, you know, like you said, couldn't have gone much better in the postseason. He proved just, you know, what a dependable ace he is and uh, cannot wait to, you know, watch him next year and all the years beyond that in the Bronx. As great as it was to watch him pitch and to know that we're going to get to watch him pitch for a long time, that was at the same time. One of the things that I, I felt I missed most this year was not being able to observe him at all close up, not being able to see what he was like in the clubhouse, because like you said, Nate, his personality is so interesting and he's so cerebral and he's so knowledgeable. And during spring training, you couldn't get him away from reporters. And I don't mean that in a glory hog way. I mean, someone would go up and start talking to him and Garrett would be like engaging them for 15 minutes. And I felt there was a lot. I was looking forward to when I was down in Tampa of spending the year learning from him and instead just everything happened on zoom. And that was a bummer. So uh, hopefully 2021 gets better there. It was, I will share, you know, just to kind of add to the the sentiment you guys are talking about, which is so accurate. You know, one of the highlights of my 2020 when there weren't a lot of highlights for this year, but was doing a Q and a piece uh, I did with him in spring training and simply put, one of the reasons it was such a highlight was because it was supposed to be like 15 minutes and it ended up being 45 minutes. And it wasn't because I was holding him down and, you know, forcing him to talk to me. It was almost the opposite. You know, I was supposed to do an interview with Glaber Torres. I was, I did do an interview with Glaber Torres the same day. And I remember just running short on time because the conversation with Garrett Cole was so good and so long. And he made me feel like really important and really like I knew probably more than I did about his craft because of the way he engaged me in that conversation. I'll never forget it. And also it makes me very hungry to not only see him pitch, but to do other stories with him and, and get to talk to him again. Totally. So the next, the next pick, this was my first draft pick. Uh, not much we have to say about this one. My pick for the, my favorite storyline to watch was going to be every time the Houston Astros went on the road, as it turned out, we didn't really get to enjoy that at all because even when the Houston Astros did go on the road, they did it without any fans present. They did not come to Yankee Stadium. But that is that that is going to remain a bummer that they kind of just got away with it. I don't know what to say. Like it, it's yeah, over skated. now. So that th- that that's too bad. You know what though, John? I think uh, the next time they play in the Bronx and there are fans in the stands, I, I think they'll still hear it pretty loudly. You think Yankees fans remember? <laughs> I will say one thing. My my exact comments uh, on that podcast, or not my exact, my summarized comments, I should say, is my hope was that there wouldn't be anything stupid like anyone throwing balls at their head, but rather that the fans would have some fun. And instead, all that we got was something stupid like someone throwing balls at their head. So just because I'm saying I want to see people go after the Houston Astros does not mean I endorse uh, the whole Save Joe Kelly uh platform or anything like that let's move quicker now we'll go around the time instead of a pick at a time so here's round two uh the, the picks were glaber torres next man up 2.0 and Gio Urshela. so i think all three of those ended up being pretty fascinating storylines in different ways yeah i mean you guys i of the three of them i'll just comment on Gio Urshela. what an amazing two years he's he's given the yankees you know i just think about him at third base and um, i know he didn't win the gold glove award and, and, and I'm not saying that 
you know, he should have or anything like that, but it's hard to imagine anyone playing that position better than the way he did. He's a lot of fun to watch over there. And I think we're going to end up saying the same thing about Gleyber Torres uh, down the line. I kind of chalk this season up to just really, I I think the circumstances did not play in his favor this year, uh, trying to, you know, transition back to shortstop, you know, shortened season, the start and stop aspect of training. I think it just, he never really kind of got into a groove over there, but we've seen enough uh, of, of, you know, the type of talent that Gleyber Torres has uh, in his first couple of years here in New York to know that this guy, he's a, he's a hard worker and mega talented. So that'll still be an interesting storyline to watch, you know, see if, uh, you know, he can stay healthy and be the, hopefully the everyday shortstop next year and uh, make some strides forward. So here's the thing for me, and I think that I want to be on the record with the fact that I said before the season, I said during the season, and I meant that I didn't think it was fair in any way to really judge anybody too much, whether positive or negative, based on this crazy year with all the protocols they had to go through at the start and stop, like you mentioned, Nate. I can assure you, as a Michigan fan... It is hard to remind myself that I said I would not uh, take anyone to account for bad things that happened this year, and I've tried to remember that, but uh, but I'm trying to be consistent with it. So I will say whether it is you know Gleyber Torres struggling or Clint Frazier, you know, thriving, really probably being the third best hitter on the team for the year. You know, I think you need to temper everything. But with that said, I agree with you. Really, like almost. 100% Nate on what you said about Claire Torres. I, I just don't think that you can look at the way he performed this year and not just kind of, I don't want to say give a pass because I don't think he needs a pass. I just think it's more important to just say like, you know, like let's, let's talk after a normal year about all this stuff. And sadly, you know, the one that you guys didn't bring, bring up the next man up 2.0, it did happen again. And the funny thing is we went through the first spring training. So, so these picks were again made after, a lot had already gone down in the first spring training. Suddenly we're seeing a team that was going to break camp, not being anything close to full strength. Then summer camp happens and it turns out, wow, we are at full strength. And then sure enough, over the course of the year, it, it, it stuff just happened again. Now I'll say that I was talking to, I brought this up with Clint Frazier on the Bucky Dent podcast, but Brian Cashman did point out that when you make the major kind of changes that they made this year to their training staff, it's not just that you are willing to accept that there might still be some injuries that come of it, but you actually kind of expect it because you're training everyone differently and it it might take guys' bodies some time. And Clint told me that he noticed some adjustments as the year went on and, you know, things started to work better for him. So I do wonder if some of it, you know, we'll see neutralize because obviously it seems from every indication the team has great faith in the new staff they put in there. And again, Cashman came out and said, the expectation spoke to other teams and the expectation when you make changes like this is that you will see more, if not the same number of injuries in that year. So take that for what it's worth, obviously, but I thought that was an interesting analysis of the situation. Round three, we had a pick of the young starters, which I thought became a very big storyline for reasons that we discussed. We had a pick of the power surge from Brett Gardner and DJ LeMahieu. Would that continue or was that going to be a product of some perhaps weird baseballs in 2019? And similarly, we had a prediction slash intrigue in the idea of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton getting to play a full season in the lineup together. So once again, you know, you could take you could take those from where you want to, but we had differing levels of success in those uh, predicted storylines. 
Yeah, we're we're still kind of uh, waiting to see that that season where, you know, Judge and Stanton both play 140, 150 games and and do it, you know, do their thing over the course of a whole year. I mean, obviously, it's when they do, when it does happen, it's going to be it's going to be a sight to see. But um, yeah, I mean, the young pitchers were were really fun to watch down the stretch. I mean, you saw you know Davey Garcia, of course, the first one that comes to mind but you know other guys too Mike King and you know these guys are gonna get an opportunity uh this coming spring to kind of stake their claim once again and now that uh they've they've gone out and shown that you know they can handle it they've got you know that much more experience under their belt and you know hopefully uh good things keep on coming for those young young kids yeah I I think they were all very impressive and and it makes you very excited about the future I mean Davey Garcia I got to to meet and, and spend a little bit of time with in the minors up close, not as much as you, John, but a little bit and, and see him, seeing him develop and pitch the way he did this year. Um, it, it's, it's really exciting. You know, I, I, I'm just enamored by the, you know, his whole overall being, he's a small, you know, undersized pitcher throws electric stuff. And, um, you know, I think the, the future is is uh, the, the sky is the limit for him, and I think it's it's going to be a kind of a not a surprise anymore, but it could be a real huge piece to a to a championship puzzle in the future that that people really might not be thinking about right now because there's so much emphasis on resigning players, free agents, you know, players who've done a lot more in the majors than him. But that's a big piece to the puzzle, and it could be a really important and valuable piece, and it could it could wreak a lot of havoc in that division that's always the most exciting thing is when you have uh like homegrown talented starting pitchers coming up through your minor leagues you know it's i know we're always trying to you know keep keep tabs on what's going on down there on the farm and you know when you see guys like like you know davy and clark schmidt start to break through that's you start to dream big and uh it's exciting like you said very true and not to repeat myself but again the fact that Davey, that Clark Schmidt, that, you know, Loisaga and these guys, Mike King, the fact that they got time at the big leagues this year means that they were spared being down for an entire year. And I think that's so much more valuable than their earned run average or any storylines about Davey Garcia in game two of the ALDS or anything like that. I mean, what you needed was to get these guys on the mound because the only mound in town <laughs> was in the major <laughs> leagues. And so I think that that ends up being huge. As far as Judge Stanton and even, you know, Gardner and DJ, obviously, look, you know, you you hope that we can get this year when we get those power bats in the lineup at the same time. But you also, obviously, we didn't see the same power from Gardner this year. We saw a little bit less power from DJ, but still just a remarkable offensive season. But one thing that it does bring up is obviously with those two both being free agents, one thing that the Yankees have always relied on until really some of the weird struggles this year was that every bat in that lineup is really a power threat. And whatever happens with free agency or trades or anything like that, especially in a stadium like Yankee Stadium, that's part of those incredible at-bats those guys are able to put together where they're really long and deep and they wear on these pitchers. And then after all that, you know, a a DJ LeMahieu or whoever puts the ball over the fence – you hope that whether it's those guys or someone else who's coming back, you know, you can't take for granted being able to get home runs like that out of your leadoff spot and, and things of that nature because – or out of your ninth spot for that matter because it's such a big part of why the Yankees offense is so successful. 
So let's go to the last round real quick, and then we'll take a break. The last round of storylines. We had number one, Gary Sanchez. Number two, the back end of the rotation. And number three, who is Luke Voigt? So, Nate, what did we learn about Luke Voigt this year? <laughs> Luke Voigt, I mean, as soon as he, he came back for spring training 2.0, uh, I mean, he just looked like he was a, a totally different ball player. And uh, he went out and, and proved that, you know, he was – if he, I don't know if he ever actually came out and said that he was in the best shape of his life, but that's what he looked like, and that's what he played like. I mean, 22 homers in 56 games, uh, led the majors. Um, just an incredible year from Luke Voigt. And, uh, I mean, what else is there to say? You know, I mean, he was, he was that thumper and, you know, kind of uh, emerged as a, a little bit of a, a clubhouse, you know, leader, I guess you could say, too. You know, you start to... Uh, get comfortable when you're leading the majors in home runs and uh, you feel, I guess, uh, a little more free to express your feelings and, you know, be honest when things aren't going well. And, and so we heard that from Luke Voigt this year, and I thought that was, that was refreshing as well. But just from an on-field standpoint, I mean, that was, that was a lot of fun to watch. He, he, he had fun playing the game out there, and uh, it, was, it was fun for the fans to watch. You know, Nate, one thing I would throw in there about Luke Voigt and again, this comes back to the conversation we had with Clint Frazier for the Bucky Dent podcast. I'm I'm probably talking out of school here. I don't know that I should be putting words into Clint's mouth. I don't know if I'm right. But one thing he mentioned, again, talking about the new training staff, he mentioned that part of his own maturation, part of what he's been realizing is how important it is to train yourself as a baseball player. And I'm not a physical therapist. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm making this up. But one thing I always noticed uh, when we first started getting to know Luke Voigt in that first offseason is you were watching the the workouts that he would put on Instagram. And it was all like training to be, you know, the world's strongest man and stuff like that. And, right. you know, it was like, how big of a tire can I move? How big of a ro- all, all these things? And again, I don't know anything about this. I might be wrong. But I would always watch that and just be like, man, what sport are you training for? Is this actually good for your baseball body? Now, maybe that's what Clint was talking about. Or maybe I'm totally wrong about that. But I do think it's interesting if a player is noticing, like, how do I actually condition my body right to be a baseball player for 162 games instead of to be a power lifter? And the things that you said about uh, Luke Voigt, yeah, I noticed them too. Like there was just no question when you looked at him, he didn't look like a guy who every day was arm day or anything like that. You know, he looked like a full core, like just put together baseball player. Yeah, and ended up leading the Yankees in games played this year. So there it is. There yeah, you go. yeah. I you know I had an opportunity to talk to him after the uh, season for a, a piece for next year, and I won't give too much of it away, but. You know, it's it. It was really nice talking to him. First and foremost, he's a he's a charming guy. He's a really yeah. nice guy, and and somebody it's very very hard uh, not to root for. I'll say that much. And um, you you really want to see him do well. We, you know, we kind of talked about him and his 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 upbringing, his family, his brother uh, actually just got deployed the other day, uh, right before we had we had spoken and. Um, his brother was a football player at West Point and, you know, he's a, he's got a, a real special upbringing and, and one that's born out of, you know, really being determined to, to achieve great things in sports and in life. And, you know, it's nice to see it come to fruition this year after quite a few years in the minors with the St. Louis Cardinals and really finally broke through in a big way. 
I'd love to see it continue uh, because it's kind of got the the makings or the start of a, of a special career, I guess. So why don't we leave it there? We'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll just hit on a few of the over-unders. Again, we are looking back at our predictions from March because, as you expect, nothing weird happened between March and now. So, you know, it's just a good time to do it. <laughs> so stick with us. We'll be back in one minute. Hi, this is Aaron Boone. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Deep to left. Yastrzemski will not get it. It's a home run. A three-run home run for Buckingham. The Yankees now lead it by a score of 3-2. to two. Hey, folks. It's Bucky Dent proud to be part of a new podcast on Yankees Magazine Podcast Network called Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. Every other Tuesday, we'll bring you a new episode chatting about great moments from Yankee history with some of my best friends from a career in the game. We'll look at what's happening with the current team, share some memories, and no surprise, we'll even discuss a little homer I hit one credible day in Fenway Park. Download Deep to Left with Bucky Dent at yankees.com slash podcast or at the podcast app of your choice. Can't wait to speak with you soon. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back. We are still here looking back at the not just the 2020 season, but what we at the Yankees Magazine podcast predicted for the 2020 season. I hope you are enjoying us eating some crow, getting some egg on our face, whatever you want to say, because it shouldn't surprise you to hear that we did not do that great in our predictions for the 2020 season. But in fairness, as we're about to get to, it's pretty easy to see why when you look at some of the questions that we posed. So <laughs> let's let's just start right off here. Uh Garrett Cole, the question I put to out was over under 18 wins. So Garrett Cole hit the under there. He, he had seven wins. So I think that for all of these stats, though, it's reasonable if they're counting stats to multiply by 2.7, which actually gets us to who knows? 18 wins. 18.9. <laughs> so Garrett Cole goes oh, over. Right. So after, after all that, Garrett Cole goes over. So I would say that if, <laughs> if we would have been looking at the 2020 season with Garrett Cole having 18 wins, I think we would have all said, wow, that's impressive. What a, you know, couldn't have gotten any better. And sure enough, he essentially in real or in unreal life got those 18 wins. So there it is. As for the 300 Ks, what do you guys think? Did he go prorated over or under? Under. Uh, pretty close, right? I know he had 94. So wow. 94 okay. strikeouts. <laughs> um, so I guess, I don't know what 94 times two point, I guess it gets them pretty close. I guess uh, just shy of 300. It would have been. Well, it, it's 253.8. So it's pretty far away, but yeah. Uh, all right. All of us uh, at the time picked over. So we were all wrong there. N- nonetheless, by the way, 253.8 strikeouts in a season would be excellent. I think the Yankees mm. would take that just about every year. But uh, so that, w- that was one where all of us whiffed on. So moving on, Glaber Torres, 30 home runs. So Glaber Torres did not hit 30 home runs this year. Al, do you remember how many home runs he hit this year? 
I didn't study very, very hard for this test. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I need to be a little easier on my son when I'm telling him how much he's got to study. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a little hypocritical, John. That's all I can say. Quite all right. Gleyber Torres had three home runs in 2020. So we've already uh, spoken a lot about his season. But, of course, three times 2.7 is 8.1. So despite the fact that uh, one of us at the time said over and two said under, that is a definite under. So the unders, the unders had that one. So, again, neither one of you was on this podcast on, uh, again, March 12th. But who would you have said at the time would have been the Yankees' home run leader for 2020? Al, you go first. Luke Voigt. That is a good choice. <laughs> uh, that's not truthful, though. I, I would have I would have said Aaron Judge. Okay. No, not so unique. Nate, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would have gone with somebody like Aaron Judge as well. I mean, there's, you know, there's literally like eight or nine guys you could choose from <laughs> on, this, on this team. Uh, and, you know, guys who are built like Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton are, uh, are, are never a bad choice if you're trying to predict the future. For sure. So I actually chose Aaron Judge. Although the funny thing is, I should point out that the other two choices were both Gary Sanchez. I went third. I only chose Judge because they had both said Gary Sanchez. I was probably going to say Gary Sanchez, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> that one didn't, didn't quite happen. But I, I either did Aaron Judge. So Luke Voigt, congratulations. You proved us all wrong. More third base starts. Gio Rochella or Miguel Andujar? Obviously, the answer there was Gio Rochella. And uh, because we were trying to keep these as objective as possible, I think this is perfectly fair. Better season, James Paxton or Masahiro Tanaka? Um, as it turned out, fortunately, we did not need to uh, worry too much about our objectivity or subjectivity because I think that was pretty clearly Masa. I'm curious for both of you guys, what would you have said about that one at the beginning of the year? I would have said Paxton. Honestly, I mean, coming off of what he did down the stretch in 2019 was he he was 10 and 1 i think 10, or 10 and 0 in his last 10 decisions if i'm not mistaken and then had that super game against the astros in the um in the postseason I, and i love massa and and he's done such a great job um but just based on that i i <laughs> as trendy as it might sound i mean it, it would have been Hard not to say James Paxton. And I, and I, you know, I talked about it on this podcast recently. Like when you look back at, you know, some of the things that happened and why we didn't achieve our ultimate goals as a team this year, you know, I, I pointed to James Paxton as a, as a big reason because a big reason we were so successful in 2019 was based on what he was able to do in the second half. So putting my cards on the table, I absolutely would have said him. Yeah, I think I probably would have agreed with you, Al. He was great down the stretch last year. And, you know, unfortunately, he's just uh, he's had to deal with so many different injuries in his career. It's really I feel bad for James Paxton because um, when he's healthy and rolling, he's one of the best pitchers in the game. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, where he ends up in free agency. So uh, that's that, that's when I'll be watching a lot. And of course, if it's back with the Yankees, I think that's great, too. I think that there's I think that he has a lot to show and we've seen what he does when he's on the mound, like you guys both said. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, we're a long way from resolution there. Combined home runs by Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. Instead of giving you what I set the over-under at, I'm going to ask you both to predict an actual number that you might have said before the season. 70. Okay. 65. Okay. So, Nate, you're kind of looking at kind of like a 40-30 breakdown, something like that. The over-under that I set for the podcast episode on March 12th was 65. Huh. Ding, 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 ding. 
they combined instead for 13. And times 2.7, that's 35.1. We had two picks for under, one pick for over. So the under the under had that one. We've already spent enough time today and this year talking about the two of them. But, you know, it's, it's going to be the storyline forever. We just need to see them both healthy and together. And it, it, it feels like it's an almost unstoppable lineup when, when that's the case. But who knows? So, so it goes. I would have lost that one this year, but maybe next year the, the over will come in. Yeah, well, you know what? There's always there. Wait till next year. <laughs> First start among this group: Mike King, Davy Garcia, or Clark Schmidt. I assume you guys Ooh. both know the answer there. Uh, who could? Well, didn't? Oh no, King didn't get a start in 2019. He was a he had a relief appearance. So. Uh, was it, was it Davey that got the first start of those three? It, it, it was King. Uh, oh, okay. But, and, and King also had a few relief appearances before Davey also. Um, but that was just a fun one. The funny thing is though, uh, Davey, none of the three of us picked Davey. It was King, King, Schmidt. So. no, oh, wow. But obviously, you know, again, it's a, t- it's a topic that we've covered a lot, but you want to, if you're, if you're the type of person who can't look at, you know, the positives from. 2020 and see them, you know, for a, a good team that overcame a lot and made the playoffs and got to the seventh inning of the division series. And you want to look at smaller things. I, I'll still say the young pitchers throw away all of their performance, throw away what they did on the mound. Just having them on the mound is such a value moving forward. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I can see why nobody picked Davey. I mean, he's so young still. I mean, I think he's 21 and, uh, you know, Everybody was kind of still expecting him to have at least another season, if not two, in the minors before even thinking about him cracking the rotation. And then, uh, sure enough, this year there there he was. It was a, a big part of the rotation down the down the stretch. Yeah, I and mean, that's the thing. All three of them, you could say, they weren't just here; they belonged. I mean, so that's mm-hmm. yeah. If, if, if I don't think Yankees fans, uh, if they want to have a happy time, should go and look at the rotation right now. And obviously, free agency has barely started there. There's no way this is what the rotation looks like when the season kicks off. But at the same time, you know, right now these guys are penciled in for a lot of outings in 2021. And so they, they earned that even, even, even though I expect that they will not necessarily, the, the rotation will not have <laughs> them playing as big a role as they are right now. They, they showed that they could do it. And, and, and that's got to mean a lot. So, so the last one here though is, Again, I'm going to reverse this one a little bit. Al, I'll start with you. What would you have set at the wins number for the Yankees before the season? I would have confidently set it at 100. Okay. You know, based on what they had done the previous year. And I say confidently. If I wanted to be a little bit adventurous or taking a chance I, I you know seeing Garrett Cole now added to the rotation and you know I would have I would have said 107 so if I was in in that type of mood I would say 107 so I'm gonna go with 107 okay Nate what about you yeah I would have been right around that mark too around 100 because although I know like you know if we're talking actual <laughs> over-unders I don't think uh you know the odds makers give too many teams a, a chance of winning a hundred games before the season even starts. That's pretty lofty, but uh, just like Al said, I mean, the job they had done that the couple of years prior, you know, Aaron Boone, I think was maybe the first manager ever to win a hundred games in both of his first two seasons as a manager and coming into year three with uh, 
having added Garrett Cole atop the rotation, uh, there was no reason to think that they would slip backwards after an offseason like that. So uh, I, was, I was fully expecting that, that type of se- season uh, had we played 162 games. Yeah, I think that I think I would definitely put myself in the camp where both you guys were. I set the number for the purposes of this competition, if you will, at 103.5. And two of us went under, one went over. They won 33 games. That calculates to 89.1. Obviously, uh, that that's under. But we, we've spoken enough about how much went wrong this year, how weird this year was in some ways. And the fact is, with the second wild card and all this stuff, it, once they were in the playoffs, I don't want to say that they – there, there's no evidence they took their foot off the gas or anything like that, but it was just a there was a different level of urgency in general for the whole season. So it didn't that number itself didn't matter quite as much. But uh, obviously they were under. Now, now look, I, I don't think there's any uh, real stuff that we learned here, other than that it's really hard to predict a 60 game baseball season um, when you're <laughs> predicting a 162 game baseball season. But I I do think it's important for us to be accountable to show uh, what we were thinking then, what we said over the airwaves, what. Yeah, uh, you know, the things that we predicted. And so I, I, it, it was fun, though. It's, it's fun to look back at where we were in a much uh, in a much simpler time of, you know, before all that. I agree. Quite a bit has changed since that episode. <laughs> For sure. But there's a new year around the corner, guys. <laughs> maybe, right. maybe, maybe there's some positive things we can look forward to. Either way, we do have one more episode coming up before the new year, though. And, you know, we, we've had a tradition in the past of making that last episode of the year a mailbag episode. I would love to do that. And I, I hope that uh, anyone who has any questions for us, anyone who has any topics they'd like to see us discuss, please contact us at podcast at yankees.com and let us know. And if you want to send us a, you know, a voice memo there or anything like that, you could do that too. And we, we can play it for you. But, uh, I should also point out, though, before we uh, you know say our goodbyes here, that right now it's the holiday season. If you go to yankees.com slash publications, there's so many options of great holiday packages that we have available that you can buy. Subscriptions that include Yankees tickets, that include commemorative copies of magazines, all those things. But I have to say, there's an option to purchase a subscription combo that includes the chance to participate in a segment of the Yankees Magazine podcast. So... I don't know if if you really want to get get involved with us and, and get some thoughts out here with us and tell us what we're doing wrong instead of just emailing us, you know, why don't you just come on here and talk to us about it? So that that that's certainly a good idea. I look forward to uh, getting to uh, converse with uh, whoever the the lucky fan and, and Yankees loyalist is. Well, for sure. I hope uh, I hope we hear from a lot of you. So again, mailbag coming up in two weeks. Send us your questions. Any question that we answer on the air, you will get a voucher for two tickets to an upcoming Yankees game. So that's one you want to definitely make sure you uh, get involved in. In the meantime, Nate, Al, it really is genuinely good to get to talk to you guys, and uh, I look forward to doing it again soon. I feel the same way. Same here. Absolutely, John. We'll talk in two weeks, hopefully before then. (laughs) And to all of you, thanks for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Before you go, I want to tell you more about the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network. If you liked hearing from us today, you should also check out Deep to Left with Bucky Dent, our newest podcast, The Bucky Hosts. Each episode features conversations with former teammates, other greats from the game's history, or current Yankees, such as Clint Frazier, who appears on this week's episode. If you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcast or at yankees.com slash podcast. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. You can even send us your thoughts over email, podcast at yankees.com. 
Speaking of which, next episode we'll be opening our mailbag and answering questions, so let us know what you're thinking about over email, or you can message us on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine, where you can also keep up to date with everything we have coming up in these next few weeks. And for our Yankees Magazine subscribers, we're so grateful for your help in keeping our magazine going. If you're looking to renew your subscription or to start a new one, there's absolutely no better time than right now. Currently, we have incredible holiday offers available, including throw-ins like free tickets, commemorative magazines, you name it. You can even buy a package that includes the ability to participate in a segment on a future episode of this podcast. Call 800-GO-YANKS for details or visit yankees.com slash publications. Plus, if you'd like to see our content online, get a taste of it at yankees.com slash magazine. That's it. See you next time. Happy holidays and go Yanks. Hi, this is Luke Voigt. If you like what you're hearing, why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much and go Yankees. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.